If your goal in life is just to get by, if your goal is like, well, God, just just give me enough to cover my bills, like that's the greediest thing that you could possibly do. We have the ability to create wealth. We have that ability. That's scripture. And if God has given us that ability, why in the world would we not be doing that? The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success by focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-mindsetted men and women bonded by faith in relationship that you can do life with. Now, we're traveling across the United States this summer to a city near you, and we want you to join us in creating the next wave of faith-based entrepreneurs ready to become the CEOs of their life. Visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today to speak to one of our team members about how you can level up in all areas of your life today. This episode is brought to you by Transcend. Transcend is taking preventative healthcare beyond the restrictions of traditional medicine. Through their advanced hormone replacement therapy and innovative telehealth system, Transcend will help you receive the best care on the cutting edge of medical science. Whether you're looking to improve overall vitality and wellness or optimize your health, Transcend's approach to transparent and simplified care will help you achieve the life you've always wanted. Visit transcend5.com today to start your journey to a better you. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek, and today we are going to wrap more about entrepreneurship. Specifically here, we're going to talk about biblical entrepreneurship and what that really truly means here. And if you've heard me talk about this topic in the past, you know this is something I get kind of fired up about. And I I love talking about this and why I truly believe entrepreneurship is God-given. If we look at throughout the Bible, and that's what we're going to do here over the discussion, is is we're going to dive into what is entrepreneurship? What does it mean to have a biblical approach to this? And what's going on in the world today as far as why people think they should be employed and go to school, get a good job, be in that safe environment, work 40 years, and then ultimately retire. Now, we're going to look through the Bible and and see, did that ever happen? Was that ever a template? Was that like a format that was taught in the Bible, or has it been indoctrinated into us over the last couple centuries? So we're going to dive into that. But with the core of it, as you guys know, I'm always big on the root words of things, and I want to make sure we can agree upon the root word of entrepreneurship. It literally means to undertake, okay? It doesn't mean that you own a business or you're in startup mode or anything along those lines. It just means that you are willing to undertake. So at the core of it, it's almost like a mindset, but in addition, it's a skill set. And one of the things that I just, I love so much about entrepreneurship is that it really is the great equalizer, it doesn't care about your race, it doesn't care about your religion, it doesn't care about your status, how many Instagram followers you have. No, it's the great equalizer. In fact, the first female 
millionaire in the United States was a black woman. The first female millionaire was black. And this happened in the 1800s. How did this happen? Why did this happen? It was because she was an entrepreneur. And she knew exactly, it was, it was Madam C.J. Walker was her name. But she knew the skill set that she had, it wasn't different than anybody else's. She may be better at, at certain skill sets, but then being able to delegate and surround yourself with other people that can work with you hand in hand, that's what entrepreneurship is about. The thing, too, about entrepreneurship is it doesn't matter where you are. Even if you are in prison, you can become an entrepreneur. Just think about that. If, if you know, we've seen the movies, I'm sure, or some of us probably know people that know people that know people that have been in prison, and there's someone in prison right now selling cigarettes. They're selling playing cards or you know whatever else it is that's there. And if that guy who is in a, or woman, I guess we call it, that if that person is in that eight by eight cell, literally a cage, and they can figure out how to become an entrepreneur, you better believe that any of us listening to this can learn how to become an entrepreneur as well, because entrepreneurship, it is God-given. The challenge is, is that we have been taught, we've been brainwashed, we have been indoctrinated to adopt this employee-type mindset. Now, there's nothing wrong with being an employee, but I am going to challenge you on this discussion here to start thinking about other ways that you can provide income, provide value to the marketplace, not reliant on somebody else putting a value on your time. Entrepreneurship is God-given and employment is a modern-day invention. After the Industrial Revolution, these massive factories, these large corporations at that time, they needed to maximize their profits. And good for them if that's what they were looking to do. They're looking to maximize their profits. So what they had to do is develop this theology or this process of creating employees. How can we pay somebody as little as possible, just enough to keep them from leaving, just enough where it's like, man, I'm tied to this job. I can't leave it now because I'm making just enough to get by. We've become indoctrinated to become employees. Started back like I said, in the Industrial Revolution, but it's evolved over time. And really when traditional, the school system that we know now, how that has evolved over time to literally create employees. If we dive into the Bible here, because this is what we're always going to do, is we're going to look at, okay, what does Scripture tell us about this? There's, God's, he's literally created a picture, he's painted a picture of how we can make money. There's four types of people within the Bible. There's masters, there's laborers, there's servants, and then there's slaves. Notice that there's no such thing as an employee in the Bible. Now, there's similarities here, and I'm going to point these out, but masters, of course, that's the rich guy. He's got all the money, and he actually controls the slaves. The slaves don't have a choice. They're captive to the master. But that leaves us then the laborers and then servants. And if we look at the difference between the two laborers would be something like the guy that comes over and cuts your lawn. There's a specific task that needs to be completed and there's an agreed upon dollar amount and that then once that's completed, they're gonna get paid that amount. That's like a labor or an independent contractor we would think of today. Versus servants, the most similar to an actual employee that we can relate to in the Bible. And as we look through this, I wanna I want to point this out. that The book of Matthew tells us that we we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve both God and money. It says you can't do it. It's impossible. We cannot do it. So what is an actual servant? Because a servant 
is not a slave. But if you look back in biblical times, a servant, essentially they worked an eight to 10 hour shift. They worked when their master said so. The servant couldn't leave until the master said they could actually go home. And if the servant actually saved up enough money, they could buy their freedom. So what does that sound like today in the, in the modern society today? They could buy their freedom if they finally saved up enough. Does that sound a little bit like retirement? Once we save enough, we can finally retire. And also in biblical times, if the servant actually, if they loved their master so much, they could actually go and take on the master's mark, which sometimes would be like, like a piercing, an earring of some sort. And then he would be the master's for life. What does that sound like if we look at the employment kind of environment? Does it sound a little bit like maybe tenure or pension? So there's similarities that we're looking at uh, across the Bible between masters, laborers, slaves, and then servants. Now, a laborer, as I mentioned before, this is more of like the entrepreneur. This is the, the guy that has a, a certain task that has to be completed for an agreed upon a certain amount of money. If I needed a field plowed back then, we would agree upon that price. And once the task was done, you would get paid. If I needed a certain amount of fish caught, a lot of fishermen back then, that we would agree upon what, you know, per pound or how many fish that would equate to, and then that we would agree upon that price. If we look across the Bible and we look across society today, we need to become, we need to adopt this laborer mindset, this entrepreneur mindset. When we, when we dive into this here, I want to make sure that when, when, when I talk about money, I get this so often that, oh, this is just like the prosperity gospel. I just want to be so clear that I'm not talking about any prosperity gospel at all. I promise you, I'm not going to be asking you to buy my green cloth and uh, every prayer that you have will be answered off of this, okay? And I also want to be clear that this isn't the poverty gospel. You know, give away all your money and, and that's going to make you more holy. Somehow that being poor is like more virtuous. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm not talking about poverty. I'm talking about the gospel here, people. I love it when we talk about entrepreneurship and people that typically aren't entrepreneurs have this thought process or this mindset that entrepreneurs are just greedy. They're just greedy. They're just only doing it for the money. They don't care about anybody else. They just want to make money, money, money. And I would actually argue that if you are of that mindset, that if you are happy to make just enough money for you to get by, I'm sure some of us have heard this before. It's like, well, God, you know, I just need enough to take care of just my needs. I just, just need enough to get by. I would argue that that person is the greedy one. If your goal in life is just to get by, if your goal is like, well, God, just, just give me enough to cover my bills, like that's the greediest thing that you could possibly do. We have the ability to create wealth. We have that ability. That's scripture. And if God has given us that ability, why in the world would we not be doing that? Now, some might say, well, Riley, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And I would absolutely agree, because that is scripture too. The love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil. The problem is, is that so many of us are loving money in our poverty. We are loving money in our poverty. If we're working a 40-hour, 50-hour, some 60, some 70-hour-a-week job in which we are leaving our family the ones that we so-called love, if we're leaving them for those hours, we're trading our dollars or our time, our hours for dollars here. If that's what we're doing, we're leaving our spouse, our family, the ones that we so love, and we have to go work away from them 
just to make enough money to get by, just enough to put food on the table. What are we doing? Follow me here when I talk about this, when we look at love. Because if, if the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, what is love? Let's dive into that. So when you think about your, your spouse or your significant other, you're in love with them, right? You love them. So what happens in that relationship? What do you, what do you typically do? Are you, are you usually like thinking about them? Are you, are you constantly uh, desiring them, wanting to be around them? Are you continually pursuing them? And then when you don't get them, do you get maybe stressed out? So follow me here. When you love money, you spend as much time making it as you can. You're loving it. It captivates your thoughts. You're infatuated by it. And when you don't get enough of it, what happens? Does it ruin your day? Like you don't make that sale. So it just, it just completely ruins your day. We are loving money in our poverty because we are in constant pursuit of it. The rich guy who gives away, rich guy, I'm doing like air quotes, the rich guy who is giving away most of his money, yet the poverty guy, the guy that's like working his tail off just to get by, which one of those is loving money more? The person that is maybe climbing that corporate ladder and would literally take one job over the other for an extra $2 an hour, they would leave one job to go to the other, maybe uproot their family, to move to another state, to move to another community, just to make an extra dollar an hour, an extra $2 an hour. That's not loving our family, loving our community. That's literally changing your life, pursuing something that God doesn't want us to pursue in that manner. That's loving money. Now, money in itself is not a bad thing. Absolutely, it's not. We need money. If you've heard some of my past episodes, we absolutely need it, and especially we need it in the kingdom. We need it in the Christian economy here. So money in itself isn't bad, but finding your identity in money is what's bad. We know the scripture. It's, it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. It's easier for that than a rich man to enter heaven. Usually that's when that scripture actually ends, but the sentence actually continues if we just continue to read. Because if we continue on, it says, but with God, all these things are possible. Do you hear me on that? It says, it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. But with God, all things are possible. So do you mean to tell me that you still need God? Even if you have a ton of money, do you still need God to get into heaven? Well, yeah, no duh. So if that's the case, that statement could be just as true than if it said, the same thing about a poor man. With God, all things are possible. So it could be, it's easier to enter the eye of a needle than a poor man to enter heaven. But with God, all things are possible. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. With God, all these things are possible. So if it says God gives us the power to create wealth, why in the world wouldn't we walk that out? Why wouldn't we? If we are going to adopt this mentality, this lifestyle of the Good Samaritan that's going to take care of other people, that's incredibly expensive. We've got to be able to be able to take care of other people. And abundance is not about serving money. It's an absolute heart issue here when we're talking about this, guys. Okay, a lot of us say that, that our family is more important than our job, yet on average, we're spending way more time at our places of employment than we actually do with our families. And that's why I love diving into this topic because entrepreneurship 
it runs so throughout the entire Bible. Think of the men in the Bible right now. Paul, entrepreneur, Joseph, David, Daniel, Abraham. They were all entrepreneurs. From Genesis to Revelations, it's a biblical model. Now, yes, servants were in the Bible too. They were. But if you look throughout it, they were there for a specific time. Even Joseph. Even Joseph was a servant for a time. For a time. But in Western society, we are planning to become servants for life. Follow me here. We're literally planning. We're taught to become servants for life. What do you do? You go to school. You go into debt, upwards of $100,000 in debt to go get a servant job. If you go to school to get a degree to become a doctor, to become an attorney, something of a skill set that's actually needed for that, 100% you got to do that. That's what we have to do to become to get those licenses and degrees and things. But so often, just go to school to get your MBA. Man, I do not know one person that has their MBA that actually runs a successful business. I'll come back to that in a second. But here's the deal. We're taught this model, again, that is not biblical. It's truly broken. And if we believe in the word of God, which I believe a lot of us do that are listening to this, if we're actually going to take that as this is the truth, this is the word of God, if we believe in it, except how to make money, what are we doing? Like, nope, God, well, business and entrepreneurship, that's not of God. I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about that. No, there's plenty of it throughout the Bible. If we're going to believe the word of God, then we got to believe the entire book, the entire word of God. And this is why entrepreneurship is biblical. I've mentioned the Christian economy. You know, I talk about it a lot, and it's virtually non-existent. Employment is not the answer. Absolutely is not the answer. Entrepreneurship is the answer. God gives us that power to create wealth as a sign of his covenant. Deuteronomy, as a sign of his covenant. Does that covenant still exist today? You better believe it. And this doesn't mean wealth like I got Ferraris and I got jets. We're just talking about wealth as the ability to, to, as a vehicle. Entrepreneurship, it's a vehicle for us to create wealth as a sign of his covenant. So when we're employed, think about this. When we are employed, we are serving our employer. Some of us may work for godly men, that which is fantastic. I have employees, okay? So I'm not talking down on employees at all. We Sometimes that is the best situation, especially from a tax standpoint, that has to take place to not get in trouble with the government. Sometimes we have to have employees, but the best employees I ever have are still of an entrepreneurship mindset. Entrepreneurship is a mindset and a skill set. It's not if you get a W-2 or a W-9, Okay. Just want to make sure that we understand what, I, what I'm talking about here. So if you are working for an employer that you are not equally yoked with, okay? So let's say you're working, you could be a big corporation, you could be a small company, but look at their values, their core values. Are you equally yoked with them? If you are, fantastic. If you aren't though, and if you are asking God to bless you, aren't they also bless you and like, God, provide me more income, provide me the ability to create wealth. But my only vehicle is at this place of employment. Would God not also have to bless that employer in order to bless you? What if they aren't believers? We have to put ourselves in a position in which God can bless us. 
and I hear some people say, well, God just wants me to be here. I just feel like God wants me to be here. God wants me to work here. If that's truly the case, wonderful. But I do still want, want to challenge you on that because if you're married, if you are in a, a marriage, n- no doubt about it, employment is the number one place for an affair to take place. And think about this. If a husband gets up, he, he puts on his, his nice looking clothes, he goes to the job, he's there being decisive, he takes a power position, he's working around other women, or vice versa, your wife gets up, she puts on all her pretty clothes, like all her makeup, she's getting all dolled up to go to work, to see a man that's being decisive, to take a power position, to make those decisions. Do you think God really truly wants you to be in the number one area where adultery takes place, a place of employment? The family unit is so much more important to God than making money. The family unit is so much more important to God than making money. And if you feel like you are in a position that is not a safe environment in that respect, we are to flee temptation. Literally flee it. We've got to take action on these situations if we are feeling that we shouldn't be in that situation or we're working with somebody that, is, that we're unequally yoked with. Let's get back to this biblical template of what entrepreneurship should do, can do for us versus being an employee working in an environment that is not conducive for you, for your relationships, for your relationship with God, not just your spouse, but where are you putting, where are you putting yourself? What's the culture? What's the atmosphere that you're putting yourself around? All right, now I said I'd come back to schooling in the MBA programs. Schooling's not the answer, okay? MBA programs do not produce great entrepreneurs. What it does do is it teaches people how to replicate answers, how to memorize. It doesn't teach them how to be creative and how to grow a business or how to think outside of the box. And this is one of the reasons our daughter, Ellie, is, is entering homeschooling this year We're going to be putting her into a homeschooling program, not because we don't want her to be around her friends or anything like that. She's been at a great private Christian school here, but it's because we want to teach her these principles of of entrepreneurship. Homeschooling and entrepreneurship, they go hand in hand. It gives kids real world experiences. And I, I truly believe that we are born entrepreneurs and then we're taught how not to be entrepreneurs. Schooling's not the answer. In fact, there's been multiple studies that have been taking place where typically the A students end up working for the B students, and the B students are usually managing the company that's working for the C students, and then the D students actually own the company. And here's the reason why. The C and D students, they usually are the ones that, it's not that they are dumb or you know, illiterate kids, they're not dumb. They may learn differently than the traditional school system. Not every child learns the same. And so these oftentimes when they're graded on just a one set of rules, they may get C's and D's, but they have to get creative to even get those C's and D's. And that's why those kids usually end up, are are usually the ones that are running the companies in the future. So think if your kids are struggling in school, or if if you are, you know, a, a kid listening to this that's struggling in school, do not be discouraged. It's a gift. It's actually a gift to, to be able to think creatively, to think outside the box, Let's use that to our advantage. And this is partly why we are 
rolling out within the King's Council. I'm happy to to announce in in the next couple months, we're going to be rolling out a youth entrepreneurship program, a course that we're going to be ultimately coaching and mentoring kids, the youth, through high school on how to have this mindset, how to sharpen this skill set, to think creative, to think outside the box, to understand how to earn money at a young age, because that's truly the legacy that we are leaving, us as adults, as parents, anybody listening to this, we got to live our legacy right now in order to leave our legacy. But we do that by, by leading by example, but instilling these concepts, instilling these, not just thought processes, but these skill sets into the next generation. We have to leave this place much better than we found it. And that's what we're doing here through the King's Council. I'm, I'm so pumped to announce this program here within the next couple months on our youth entrepreneurship program, amongst many, many other things that we're doing. So I'm going to wrap it up with that for today. But just, you know, biblical entrepreneurship, it's God-given. It is absolutely God-given. If any of you have any questions on that or even are curious about like what the King's Council actually is, just again, text me. It's uh, 727-472-3860. Specifically, if you're curious about what it looks like, what the King's Council Coaching Program and Leadership Development Program actually is, text the word KING, K-I-N-G, and and we'll get back to you on that as well. We'll see you guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.